guys. Welcome to the Moderately Successful Podcast, where we understand that not everybody wants to necessarily be a one percenter. So here at the Moderately Successful Podcast, we're taking a look at the other 99%, how they spend their time, their schedules, their routines, and ultimately their keys to the success that they've termed success overall. And uh, hopefully you can apply that to your lives as well as ours. All right. So uh, I'm here today. My name is Matt Campbell, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Chris Chan and Austin Rogers. What's going on, guys? Guys, it's official. We've been yeah. talking about it for months, Crazy. and today is the official first podcast of Moderately Successful. That's that's pretty exciting. We found something to align on. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. We so. could barely schedule together, anyways. So like, this is big. <laughs> it's hard to coordinate. This is also us hanging out. Yeah, so it's natural. It's part of our friendship journey. Yeah. Nice. Well, like I said, if you guys are listening to this, this is the first official Moderately Successful podcast. But just because it's the first first podcast, it's not just us talking. We are excited to have a special guest to join us. To kick things off, if you don't know him, he is currently the owner of Tattooed and Successful, an apparel and lifestyle brand, as well as Empire Fitness, a state-of-the-art fitness facility in Meridian, Idaho, plus a lot more, or at least we think that's what we're here to tackle today. Today, we have none other than the Tattooed and Successful man himself, Zach Peterson. What's up, man? Thank you, man. I'm excited to be on here with you guys. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is going to be awesome. Yeah. It's cool to have, um, have all three of you start something together. Um, a lot of podcasts typically start with one person. Um, so to see you guys kind of tackle it, you three together, bringing different thought processes all all in will be interesting to see. Yes, sir. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we want to get right to things. So as I just spelled out, you have a, your hand in a couple, if not more businesses. Yeah. And just, you know, talking to you and interacting with you because you, you know, are a part of mm-hmm. the business that we work into. Um, we know you are a business guy and entrepreneur, but like if someone were to ask you today, like, what, what do you call yourself? You know, what is Zach Peterson in the words of Zach Peterson rather than someone else? Yeah, I, I want to be called a creator and not a creator in the sense of creative in terms of creatives, video, media, social media like that. I want to be known as somebody that created spaces, places or things that people found an identity with or a community with or um, brought some sort of value to their life. So I want to be known as that. Okay. It's, it's kind of something different, but it's something that um, like I have in my bio, like here to create, mm-hmm. and I used to have here to connect because I felt like, um, throughout COVID, I had a really good opportunity because of my viewpoint on it to try to connect as many people that felt that way and that we could continue to grow kind of our network, even though we were being heavily shut down and subdued with the current state of the country. So yeah. when did that spawn? Like, when did you mold yourself <clears throat> into being like so in tune with who you are and what you want to be? Well, I mean, I don't know that I really am that in tune. But you have you have a destination. Like, yeah. I feel like you're moving yeah. forward towards something. Yeah. yeah. Some days. <laughs> yeah. It's I a mean, calibration, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. it's hard. You know, there's I, I struggle with I struggle with change just because of my behavior. I, uh, I struggle with um, conflict. I struggle with all those types of things, just like we all do. Right. Um, but the one thing I've always felt is that when I can pour myself into things that give back to people, I regardless of what's going on in my personal life, I feel significantly better. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I found out. It was just a feeling, really. It was a feeling of when I, and it was started like, I guess COVID would be a good way to do it, but it really started with the brand. When I felt like people, when they got a shirt and they're like, thank you so much for creating this community. And and that never really was the intention. It was kind of made as a joke, like with a buddy. Um, And then it created this sense of community and we really launched upon that. And that really became kind of the focal point of the brand. And that's when I really realized that that's really what I was, you know, meant to do or whatever, but that's what gave me the biggest reward. And that in turn actually is very rewardful for other people. So it's kind of a full circle effect. It's pretty easy to dive full in when 
it just keeps coming around, right? And speak yeah. on that too. Like, how did how did the brand start? Yeah, I was gonna say, like you said, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. So Jay Taylor and I, Jay owned Jack City Fitness over by Bishop Kelly in Boise, Idaho. Um, and he was my trainer at the time, and we had been getting sleeve like tattooed up pretty heavily then, or so I thought then. Really, we had like half sleeves, and we're like getting them shaded Let's in. Go. Yeah, <laughs> so crazy. Um, and our parents, both both of us, were from heavy religious backgrounds. Um, my family kind of walked away from it. His family was still in it, um, but and from the both from the professional side of things as well, especially with my parents. And tattoos were just looked at poorly. Can't get a job. All those stupid sayings that we've all heard. Um, and him and I decided to, like we should make some T-shirts and like take him to a tattoo festival or something and like show that like you can be successful and have these tattoos and yada yada. And so we just kind of came up with the TNS brand. Like I drew it on like a pink sticky note. The, this original logo. And then from there, we went to a tattoo convention, sold out. Um, and the brand kind of grew from there. You just like <clears throat> buy them off like a website, like a blank t-shirt and then no, put the brand on No, the crazy thing it? is our, produ- our, our uh, production manager and like uh, one of our apparel designers now, um, based out of California, at that time he owned a small print shop and he printed our first shirt and now he helps us print everything. No way. So do you, yeah, yeah sure so we like were able to take. helps him out too then. I don't know. Uh, Josh is a super talented person, so I don't know that he necessarily needed any help with us, but I think we've been a creative outlet for him. He's worked with a lot of brands through California, um, car brands to fashion brands, skate brands, et cetera. Um, and, and owning his own print shop, he worked with breweries, dispensaries, all sorts of stuff. So he constantly saw graphics. He has a graphic design background. So when he sold his shop and went to work as a designer at another shop, um, we followed him. And then when he left there, we hired him full-time as our, our production manager. And this yeah. was 2018? When we started? Yeah. Yep. And then we hired Josh full-time six months ago. Okay. Yep. What was your first, was that your first journey in being <clears throat> an entrepreneur? Have you Not had really. before that point? No. So my first, my first business that I started was an investment company. Well, I helped start a brokerage um, back in 2016. And right before that, I had started an investment company. So right about together, I started an investment company and a brokerage. Brokerage I didn't have any ownership in. I was helping out somebody that was a friend um, at the time. And then the, the investment company was, typic- was really designed to invest in small pieces of land that I felt like could be developments later or that could be um, houses later. So I bought some small plots of land, built spec homes on them, sold them, flipped them, bought bigger pieces of investment land, and kind of started into that. And I also got into cryptocurrency at that time, which was early. Yeah. And you got out early too, I'm assuming. No, I still have it. Oh, you still have it? Mm-hmm. I have quite a bit. Was there a return on that? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot. If you got into it early, I feel like. Yeah. With you I got into crypto, yeah. yeah, in 2016. Is that something you learned on your own? Did you learn through your parents? Did I definitely you... learned it through my parents, yeah. yeah. Um, my dad always had me learning about stocks and all that type of stuff and going to meet with an investment team at a very young age. And like how young? Oh, I think I met with the investment team the first time when I was like 16. Damn. Yeah. Did yeah. that just open your mind to that world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've always, uh, and then when I was mid-20s, I started going with my dad to meet with his um, investment advisors at various different uh, companies that he uses um, and going to meet with them just to hear the numbers, to hear how it worked, to hear yeah. the processes and all that type of stuff and started going to board meetings with my dad at his company when uh, I was still right out, just right out of college, started going to those board meetings. So kind of absorbing from all of that is how okay. I kind of got into it. And it runs in my bloodline. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, what, what did he do? What did your family do? So, I mean, start at the beginning. My grandfather, uh, World War II pilot, mm-hmm. inventor, entrepreneur, invented the backup alarm. Oh, wow. So, yeah, when construction equipment or anything like that backs up, he invented that beep beep thing. Damn. Um, as well as the retractable phone cord, like the badge things. Mm-hmm. Um, invented that. And then a couple other little small things like that. My dad took... Uh, started his own company and came back and bought that company from my grandfather. Same kind of industries. Um, it developed into radar for uh, heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. Um, so object detection. Um, they call it collision mitigation for heavy machinery and trucks and garbage trucks and school buses and those double buses in big cities when they go around corners. They have basically blind spot monitoring. Mm-hmm. for So they made commercial blind spot monitoring. So he did that company. Um, and then they, my father sold that uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago. That's crazy because that's like kind of the things where it's like that back alarm. It's always like those things are like, I wonder who the hell invented that. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that I, I talked about it recently on a podcast where I said like, our, like my son will think that ring lights are like obvious. Mm-hmm. Where like ring lights are still kind of like a new. Yeah, we're like, what the heck yeah. is this? Yeah, like mm-hmm. if you like, it's crazy. Like, oh, you see people like you go to their house and they're like, they have a ring light for recording their, their like videos about whatever it may be. And you're like, oh, that's, that's like normal now. And our, our kids will think that's super normal. And we didn't have any sort of at home lighting for yeah. video production five no. years ago. No. Right. Nobody thought about making a video at home to begin with. Yeah, this is all fresh. I remember right. we had like the big, like any sort of big cameras that were like over the Dude, shoulders. Yeah. My yeah, dad had totally. a few of those. Briefcase, like, briefcase cheese. phones, yeah. <laughs> briefcase phones, like yeah, all that type of shit. But, but yeah, um, it started with my grandfather, went into my dad. I was uh, absorbed into that and kind of a part of a lot of that stuff, yeah. and then got into my own stuff. 2016, so two years out of college, graduated 14, started something 16. Do you feel some? subconscious pressure to live up to some standards yeah for sure yeah yeah i don't think it's subconscious it's it's pretty well known i I don't think it's really well known i just think there's like a do you feel an inner drive yeah like it's just natural no i i I think i think i have an ever an un i don't know an unrealistic expectation for myself Mm. um which always kind of carries me things me through things but I do have the reminder of what um, the two men before me did, yeah. for, did for our family and what that looks like. And um, I obviously want to live up to exceed all those types of things yeah. that they did. And I think that's, I think that's pretty normal for a, for a son. Oh, yeah. Now did, did you break from that before? Because you said you were like, for example, the tattoo and successful is a joke. Obviously, you had the investment company before. Yeah. But was, were those side hustles? Yeah. Because I've known, you know, talking to you before, you've had other yeah. regular jobs, well, regular for lack jobs, of a yeah. better term. Yeah. So did you try to go a traditional route? Like, eh, I'm just going to chill out and do my own thing. And then yeah, I, it was always I, lingering. I, I, had, I didn't go full into tattooing successful until COVID. Right. Yeah. So before that I did, I used to do, I worked at Muscle Farm. I sold unsecured business loans and credit card processing. I worked for Rhino Rush, another supplement company. <clears throat> I worked for a marketing agency delivering on hard goods, pens, papers, polos, all sorts of shit like that. Um, I did landscaping. I tried to play professional football and did DoorDash and Uber and Uber Eats. Um, yeah. Did your parents? I did, uh, go ahead. Random like handyman shit, hang a TV, pressure wash a driveway, yeah. paint a wall, some stuff. Did your parents try to give you direction or did you choose your route? Um, I think they gave me a lot of direction. Yeah. Um, 
I would say my, my dad has a little bit of a hands-off approach. Um, figure it out. Figure it out a little bit, but he definitely offers guidance when approached. Um, I don't think he got maybe as much guidance, and so I think that's why he struggles to kind of uh, advise me on it. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think parenting has changed a lot over the years, right? Yeah. yeah I think how like our parents were raised versus how they raised us versus totally how we'll different. raise like my kid or if you guys have children, et cetera. Yeah. Like it, it, it's all kind of developed, and it's it's also like coaching is also developed and teaching yeah. is also developed, and that's what parenting is. is we have so many resources to figure right. out what the model should be. Right. Exactly. So I think it's it's a very different thing. I also had a very different relationship with my father because my mom was essentially a stay at home mom. And my dad worked. 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody with that type of relationship has a little bit of communication issues. I think at some point in their life with yeah. the, with the person that was out of the house a lot because you weren't around and that's the fact of the matter. And that's kind of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. So why then, I guess just going back to the traditional jobs, because right. I see Cause I see you in this, you know, light with a couple of businesses, you had businesses before you come from a very successful family. You've had parts or at least were interacting in that space. Uh-huh. Just, I'm guessing around, very successful people as well. Yeah. So why the traditional route of like, say, uh, you know, the Rhino Rush or the Muscle yeah. Farm where you're, you know, let's say making 15 to 20 bucks an yeah, hour. Yeah, why not go do something my own? Right yeah, you're away. a W-2 employee <clears throat> versus an entrepreneur at that point, but you're around the entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I would say I wasn't given any opportunity to do those things, right? I had no money. Um, I didn't have- Did they make you fend for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted me to go get a job, pay your bills, yeah. do all that type of stuff. And I wanted to go do that. I wanted to show that I could do that. I moved to Denver and yeah. uh, my girlfriend at the time moved there with me and I fended for myself and did all that type of stuff until I could create enough income to move back and get a house. And then from there, stacked that house into another house. And then while doing that, was working 60 hours a week doing uh, branded goods. I had 300 departments at Boise State. I had a book of business of... 300 plus K a year doing selling pens. So I kind of grew into it and then finally took the leap of faith going the entrepreneurship route with Jay at first with the shirts and then going to the investment company and then going into the brokerage and then flipping land from there. And then I got a divorce in, um, after my son was born, um, in 2018, 19. Um, and, uh, from there, kind of had to reset and picked football um, as my kind of outlet and thing. And so DoorDash, Uber Eats did that and then came back and did landscaping with Mitch, our mascot. Oh, no way. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yeah, so Mitch and I did landscaping and Christmas lights together. Did you help him start that business or did no, he already have he, it? No, uh, uh, the owner of it is Tyler and then Mitch owns the landscaping side. Yeah, okay. And so I worked, just, Mitch just brought me on to do the landscaping and then I, I did lights for a little bit and then left. That's wild. Not my thing. Okay. That's where that connection is. Okay. No, Mitch and I's connection is (laughs) Mitch and I, no, Mitch and I uh, (laughs) dated, married, and divorced sisters. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I want you to go into that too. Like how did, how did getting a divorce affect your path? Wow. (laughs) Really? I I want to know like if there's anyone who's going to do it. Yeah. That's the man to my right. Yeah. The the emotional man. I'm emotional. It's okay. You are the most emotional. That's why he's continuing drinking. (laughs) Drinking my sorrow. Yeah. I mean, that's a real question. Like that stuff, it does a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, the divorce was all on my accord. Um, my fault, my mistakes. We had a divorce. Um, and 
I, I ran away to I ran away to Utah. I, I had no idea what to do yeah. for with a job. I had lost all my friends. I had um, all on my own doing, but at, nonetheless, I started to figure out what I was going to do, who I was going to be. Mm. Um, at the same time, I had just started playing this league around here for football, and I'd never played football. And everybody was telling me, "Hey, you got to go actually try, like actually go to some workouts and get an agent, go try to do this, and actually have somebody teach you how to run a route." I was just a basketball player running around catching the football. So I did that whole thing. And, and throughout that, I was doing a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, and learned some things about myself um, on a personal matter on how to communicate and um, how to go through different coping mechanisms with, with issues I struggle with um, in terms of depression, anxiety, all those types of things that I think a lot of us struggle with. Um, and that, it was kind of an all, all-inclusive hiatus for me in, in Utah for a year. I was in and out of the thought process of putting myself in like an inpatient because I wanted to solve everything at once, but also one of the, the journey of understanding that you can't fix something overnight, no. mm-hmm. right? Like I, I kept trying to get my counselor to put me in a, a six week inpatient and she was like, why? Yeah. I was like, cause I want to like, I want to fix everything like at once. Yeah. And she's I like, think that's, that's a man. She's like, that's too. life. Like mm-hmm. she, yeah. she's like, you have a long history of problems. Yeah. You got a long life ahead of you and you got all of these years to figure out all this stuff. Like going to a six week in-house patient thing is not going to just solve everything. Yeah, right. Right. Um, so I uh, really went through a lot down there, changed a lot, you know, spent a lot of nights alone, DoorDash driving after yeah. doing three workouts in a day. And you learn a lot about yourself when you yeah. live by yourself, work by yourself, train by yourself. I had no training partner. I had, there was, I, sometimes I would get to go to BYU and run routes with the quarterbacks down there when they needed work. Or when I flew out to Texas or California for a workout with a team, I would get a, get some interaction with other people. But for the most part, I hung out by myself, worked with myself. And then on the weekends I would drive or fly home to see Beckham. So I think the divorce pushed me into a self actualization, realization of who I was, what my problems were and made you check yourself a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I lost everything. Yeah. It was my fault, but I lost everything. You still do any of those things today, like therapy or anything like that? Yeah. I go once a week. Thursdays. You feel like it's been a game changer? Yeah. I've switched counselors a few times, but I, I want to someday be able to create some sort of insurance programs for companies where a mental health therapy would be like, free basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i think it's i think it's just as essential as almost getting your hormones checked like six every six months right oh yeah or exercising or exercising like if you don't have and and, you know i do think though that not everybody needs to go to therapy but when you get to a point in my like in your life where you're as busy as i am with a child with a significant other with businesses or even if it's if it's not businesses it's you got two jobs or if you got whatever it is if you don't have somebody that can check you or somebody that can like a friend like that, it's a true outlet. You, you need to go see someone. And I don't have, I struggle to talk to people. I struggle to yeah. tell what's actually bothering me. I can talk to you about the actual, the problems and like the, the surface level stuff, but getting into how it's making me feel and what that's doing to me and where those scars are from. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about it to anybody. Yeah. yeah. So I have to go to therapy. <laughs> now, do I think everybody needs to go to therapy? No, because there's some people that can talk to a homie about everything. I'm just not one of those people. Right. And a lot of that comes from a lot of bridges burned, a lot of friends lost, a yeah. lot of backstabbed, a lot, a lot of that shit scarred me enough that it's difficult for me to open up to people and share those things. So a, ther- a therapist is where I have to go. It's true. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something about externalizing. Was that, was that enough? That was actually 
Fantastic. Thank yeah. you. That was that was the fact you said it was fantastic made it so much better for me. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Sorry. I feel better. <laughs> He's like, next emotional question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> There's something about externalizing, though, because I feel like even I have more friend groups, but I, I live with a therapist, so I kind of, you know, get a little bit yeah. of yeah. that at home. At least good questioning. Mm-hmm. It's the good questioning that I feel yeah. like that prompts you to think through things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something about that, because like a lot of times, even if it's not like a therapy-related subject, if you just if someone asks you like what you believe about something or what your morals values are and you start to talk and you fumble over your words like over and over again, it's like, oh, I don't really know what they are because I can't even talk about them. Mm-hmm. Free and Chris and I even yeah. talked about that today. Like how many of us actually know ourselves right. and know what we want or who we want to be? Literally. I, I, like I said, I think I know what I want to do, but I yeah. still don't know who I am, what For I sure. want to do. And I, I, the way I look at it, I, I really, and I think I told you this about goals. I really struggle to set long-term goals because I become obsessive over them and it's so fucking unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, try to, I try to focus on creating as much experiences for the people around me that I care about and creating much of, of communities and experiences for people that welcome their into those spaces, right? Mm-hmm. So gym, TNS, and then the people that are under these buildings, making sure you guys have what you need to be successful, making sure you guys know I'm here for you, we're here for you, let, we're all in this together and making sure that's across the board. Mm-hmm. And I think that, will just work, right? For sure. Obviously, I have things I'd like to accomplish in my life, but that's not what I hang my hat on. Right. Yeah, I, I, and, and I think people can do that, but I'm not that dude. And I think it's that's where healthy. all three of us can agree, or all three of us can agree that, like, this is definitely, like, the best gym we've been a part of. Oh, for sure. Hey. Yeah. Like, that's I mean, cool. I've been part of, like, nine different gyms, including here. Yeah, you've been a part of a lot just here. Just here, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and that's where, like, here it's just, like, just being a part of this makes you want to stay here for a very, like, Long time. Oh, oh he's ready for another. It's refill hour. We're out of ice. Aww. It's okay. The flavor. Yeah. You flavor. like whiskey. In Wait, so I have a question. Go back to your background. Yeah. And just because it's a similar background to mine. So you said you come from a religious background? Uh, not necessarily like heavy religion, but I was just raised in, Catholic, in the Catholic school system. Okay. So, I mean, I grew up going to rosary on Mondays. Wednesday, we had Bible. Every day you have religion class. Fridays we had mass for church for school, and then Sundays we had mass for like our family. We would go to mass on Sunday. Okay, but you're sometimes, but we, I sometimes know from, we go Thursday night. From what you said before, you're not religious now, right? No. So how did that did that change? I have a very point? well. You know, I was part of the Catholic school system here in Boise, and our school was fucked up. Yeah. So like you know, my PE teacher is in prison for the rest of his life. I have pastors that are in prison for the rest of their life. I have uh, f- multiple classmates that are in prison for the rest of their life. I have teachers that are in the prison for the rest of their life. Through the Catholic Church? Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing in my situation, it's too. Like, and then I went to public school, and I don't know a public school teacher that I had that got arrested. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's like I, I went to this, and I and, and I it's a win for our producer. And I do think I do think that there's I do think that there's problems at public schools, just the same as the Catholic school system. But the whole idea of perfectionism and the heavy placement on on conforming to this the uniform, like think the whole fucking most annoying thing was that fi- thinking that uniforms fixes anything. And it's this rigid narrative too, right? Yeah. Thinking the, that uniforms fix anything whatsoever. It fixed yeah. absolutely nothing. You get bullied about your belt loops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like your sneakers, your socks, your fucking underwear, the car your parents drive, right. your hair, like the clothes didn't help anything. Like assholes are assholes. Like it doesn't really matter. Yep. 
Did that send you into like a more rebellious state? Because yeah, I know you sure. said you were kind of a shithead. Yeah, that up. wasn't great. And then having to read Fifty Cent lyrics in front of my church group in junior high was probably the second worst thing. For what? To, so I didn't. So I stopped listening to that type of music. Oh, really? Yeah, that was a problem. Yes. <laughs> in yeah. front of a church group? Yeah, bro. Nice. Left that church group, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, like, I, I, I read it and then was like, and I'm out. Yeah. They put the instrumental behind I, him. No, like, we we went, like, I literally it. told my mom after, and she was like, you don't have to go anymore. I was like, cool, thanks. Yeah, that's good. Not going. Terrible. Are, are they still religious? My parents? Yeah. I think my mom is to some extent. That's how she was raised. My dad never was, not in my opinion. I still think that there's some sort of faith to be had. I have some sort of faith. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe in religion right. per se. Do you have a connection to a, a creator, a source, something that drives you or like keeps yeah. you fulfilled? Yeah. yeah. I think there is a creator of some source yeah. and, I, and I, but I don't, it sounds so fucking terrible. I don't really have time to focus on it. Yeah. So it's not an issue for me. I have enough problems in my life that I, I don't have the energy to focus on a faith. I just don't. Yeah. And that may be offensive to people that have a faith. Right. But I always go back to the, like, there's different strokes for different folks. But there's like, literally. Yeah. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Yeah, don't no, Just because it's your thing, it doesn't have to be my thing. But you've clearly, like, found a way to resolve connection and love with people. Right. Now, which I think is ultimately what faith is. Yeah. It's, that is your divine intervention. Like right. You found out a way to connect to people in general. I, th- I think I have an ability to connect to people because I want to understand people. Yeah. Um, I really, really, really do. Like one of the, my barber is a Russian Muslim. Mm. And I ask him questions about Ramadan. He got to go to like the Mecca for Muslim. I ask him questions about like the prayers, when he prays, right. Like all sorts of things, and because I want to learn, I think that's super cool. We talk about that shit all the time. We talk about like the races or like whatever that would be towards them, the hatred towards Muslim people, like all sorts of shit like that. We talk about that all the time because I I want to learn. I think it's cool as hell. Yeah, know where you come from. That's different than yeah, and it's like everybody's different. Like it's it's crazy to think that we could all fit into one thing, and I think that's the hardest part about like Catholicism in itself is that it's not real inclusive. For it's sure. really not. It was not. I mean, I'm yeah, not. And he went to, where'd you, you went to like all boys Catholic school. I went to all boys Catholic school. Yeah. And so it's like, it's just not like, and I think we've, <laughs> I felt like I'm cruel scenes. I think we found that out this weekend that people that claim faith and all this type of shit and God first don't necessarily end up being the nicest people. But that's the thing. If, mm-hmm. if you're not showing it by your actions, it means nothing. So like, right. Personally, and so putting yeah. putting right. that tag on yourself means nothing. It's who you are as a person. Yeah, I agree. Right? And a lot of people that put that tag on themselves do it as a, I think, a self-crisis. So they have like a white flag, like I'm good because this is I'm here. Not, not necessarily people that project it the right way. For sure. Ridge, greatest example of projecting it the right way. It's his thing. It's his forte. It's yeah. his... Everything is for that, for God, for Jesus, for his savior. That's his thing. Right. But he does it the right fucking way. The yeah. dude is one of the best people I know. He, he constantly wants to help people he yeah. and he lives it the right way. Yeah. He does. That's the important thing. But he doesn't give a shit if you know. No. Right? Yeah. And the people that sometimes project it is you need to know that I'm an all God, all first person are some yeah. of the most judgmental people I've ever been around. He uses uh-huh. that as his driving force and his message. Mm-hmm. And now let's, I kind of want to get back to Matt because I don't know if you want to. Talk about your upbringing and like talk about your yeah. Brother. So you were yeah. really you were always religious. Yeah, my dad's a pastor. Like, where do you stand okay. with that stuff? Yeah, nice I drink. well, I mean, kind of the same thing, but huh? <laughs> I said your dad's a pastor. And I said nice drink. <laughs> hey, bartenders. Actually, my sister put it a good way. So my sister's also a pastor, and she tells people she's like, 
obviously I'm a trainer now, but I bartend on the side. And she was like, yeah, like I'm in ministry. My dad was in ministry. Both my brothers are in ministry as well. They have side jobs, but they're worship leaders. And she's like, and then Matt's the bartender that makes sure we can do our jobs the right way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, pour the drinks on the weekend. But, yeah. So, uh, I mean, like same thing. It was more of like where I struggle now is I do believe in a higher power. Like I have a faith and I believe in God. Sure. I would even go to say that I still believe in the Bible. Mm but I'm still navigating what that necessarily entails. And I want to, I, I struggled with people who said one thing and lived another. So mm-hmm. it'd be like mm-hmm. that, you know, I went to church with them and then they would get mad at me for like maybe saying the F word or something like, or, right. you know, maybe even saying Jesus or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you just got drunk yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Like you did the same thing that all my college buddies right. that don't even care about this stuff did. Right. And I know you slept with your, you know, yeah. girlfriend before marriage right. and this stuff, but you're yeah. going to tell me to do it opposite. And it would just. The hypocrisy is sometimes the, just oh, the yeah. worst part about well, the whole thing. They're so quick to shame you for what you're doing wrong. Right. When it's exposed, but they won't look at themselves in the mirror. Never. Yeah. Never. So it was just, it was that. It was, well, that's religion in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It is. Which I think religion is just. A, it's kind it's, of toxic a little bit. In some yeah. Facets. And people think that religious automatically entails like God, but it's like, what is God? And it's like. No. It's just a it's just a, a a moral compass that directs the way you live your life. So you could, in my opinion, you could be atheistic, so to speak, and still be religious. For sure, you don't believe in a god, so it directs how you live your life. Right. You know. So it's like okay, when people ask, "Are you religious?" It's like, well, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. 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 It's allowing each person to find their own path. Yeah. Not care like you got to find what works for you. I don't, right. I can't I think, tell you what you should be doing. I think you understand that as trainers more so because you've seen like this programming works for this person, this programming works yeah. for this person, this yeah. program works for this person, and that's their Bible, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like their program needs to become their Bible. They need to live it while they're in the gym. And sure. so I think you guys, because of the industry you're in, understand that people need different things in their lives. Yeah. Not everybody gotta be, can go by the same fucking thing. And the no. same goes for politics or anything else. It's like, no, how you show up to me as a person is way more important than what you believe in on right. social media or politics. Right. Yeah. Or I think we've else. seen that more so over the last few years than anything is watched, watched what politics have done to people and watch how it's captured people in such a negative light or watch people that have sat back and watched it happen in front of them and been like, Hey, well, like either I told you so, or those type of things. Like right. you have remained like kind of like hands off about COVID, about the election, about all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. we have our beliefs, we have our identities, we have our, viewpoints on stuff, but have remained hands off, have offered, offered a lot more authenticity to the viewpoint, I think for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like people try to broadcast it too, where it's like, if you just work on yourself, you're doing more good than anyone else does by, you know, broadcasting it or, you know, on social media or on other people, their friend groups or whatever. I think that's the crazy thing about social media, how like people just think like, Oh, like, let me just voice my opinion. And it's like, Oh, it's going to be such a big influence. Like, does it actually, or are you just trying to like, you look more kind of like a dick than anything. It's virtue signaling. Yeah. Like they're trying to like reach out to people who are going to validate their feelings. Like they want to feel validated in some way more than anything. Right. Yeah. I'm curious about this. I know Chris and Austin are too. See, senor. So, you have Tatsune Successful, you have Empire Fitness. We want to go into those a little bit. But other than that, because I'm guessing you have, do you still have your investment mm-hmm. business? Yep. And then what was the one before that? Uh, it was a real estate brokerage. I didn't have any ownership on it. You so. don't have any, okay. No. So how many cur- currently how many assets do you have? How many businesses do I own? Businesses, assets, like just things that are like making you money. Things that you have your hand in. Yeah. So Black Label does a bunch of different stuff. Black Label has land, mm-hmm. um, cars, and crypto, okay, um, as well as small investment loans to small businesses, right? Um, so, it's kind of doing a multifaceted things, um, like the R eight. I'll start renting out 
Um, Black Label owns that. Mm -hmm. um, the Bronco, I'll start renting that out as well. So that's kind of what Black Label does a little bit. Investment, crypto, cars. Um, originally, I was going to start a car company. Mm -hmm. I have that LLC started. Um, and that just, I started it three months before COVID happened. Um, and that was that Mustang. So the Mustang you guys have all seen, I was going to start mm -hmm. making those Mustangs. Really? Mm -hmm. What do you and mean by renting them out? What am I going to rent? Oh, like the cars Turo. are going to be rented out on Turo. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So the Bronco will probably be like a 140, 170 a day and the R8 will be like 1,000, 1,200 a day. Did so you buy them specifically for that? No, I bought the R8 um, because I wanted a R8. And I bought it's that since I was since the first one came out in 2008, that's been my dream car forever. Iron Man, I robot, mm -hmm. I robot was like a TT kind of slash R8, but regardless, um, R8's always been my car. I don't like Lambos, I would love a Ferrari, but they're so expensive. Mm. Um, R8s have always been like the thing for me, and I'm an Audi guy through and through, I've always loved Audis. So that's why about that. But no, I can rent them out. It's additional income for, for Black Label, um, and it's, it's really easy. Okay. Like every time I travel, like when I went to Salt Lake, I had that green one. Yeah. It was sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I paid $170 for that trip a day. We were there for that person made six or $700 that weekend. It's convenient. It's a hot commodity, and like to mm -hmm. take out a car like that for a weekend. It's yeah, and the Bronco looks cool, right? Like I bought that one specifically because I had to put zero money into it because it already had that all that orange paint match stuff. The person already put PPF coating on it, which is that paint protection film. Mm -hmm. I had it ceramic coated, so I paid a 1000 extra for that, and now it's ready to go. That's and legit. that'll get used, yeah. you know, five, six times a a month at least for a couple hundred bucks. That pays for the pays for the car. So you have black label, which is mm -hmm. broken up into we'll say three, four different Facets. entities. Yeah. yeah. And then you have tattooing successful. Yep. Empire, Empire Fitness. Fitness. Is there anything else that you have going on? Uh, I kind of run my parents' um enterprise of sorts. Mm -hmm. So we have cars and land and houses and commercial buildings, et cetera. And I, I take care of the day to day for that for them. Do you have ownership in that or is it just no. managerial? No, it's just, so um, we set up a different LLC for each um, house or property that we own mm -hmm. to protect themselves from each other. That's okay. smart. So if somebody, yeah. something was to happen, somebody got hurt, something happened, it protects all the assets. Okay. Right? They're all individually business license. It's a lot harder to go after other businesses when it's not all tied together. Sure. So as far as like from a percentage standpoint, mm -hmm. where do each of those, and we can go through them each. Of uh, my focus? Of your, well, of your income. Like oh, income. your personal income. So um, Tattoo Successful, I take nothing from. Okay. Um, I put almost all of that money back into the employees mm -hmm. um, or into the business um, itself or into this building for that matter. <laughs> Um, um, I make a small amount from Empire, and then most of my money is from Black Label and from running my parents. Okay. My parents' things. And from Black Label, let's just pick Black Label. Like, what percentage would you think that is? Uh, I would say Black Label's 40. Um, my parents' enterprise, our fam I call it Peterson Enterprises. Mm -hmm. It's our family. So I, so I own some houses. My parents own some houses. My sister owns some houses. I run all of that. I take care of the all the way down to who mows the lawn, who runs the alarm system, who repaints the rooms when the renters come out, all that type of shit. So um, it's all residential? A residential, commercial, yep. Yeah, just straight land. Mm -hmm. 
um, mobile home park, um, all sorts of stuff. Is like that, that where you got most of the funding to start TNS is through? Dude, TNS, we started with like three K. Yeah. Yeah. And you went from there? Did you just find like? It just kind of runs itself now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any, any additional income that we can generate for TNS, we typically invest back into the, into the people or to add another person to add value to us or to get something cooler for the building. Or We did really good with the grand opening, so we bought all these LED signs. Just something else to add to the vibe of the building, right? You're constantly reinvesting. Yeah, constantly reinvesting. Like, I think you guys watched this building go from pretty cool then to adding the floor in the back to kind of cool to getting the glass garage door to being really cool to then right. doing the lobby and watch what the store has turned into. And now we got two artists full time. Like now we got podcast in here right. once a week. Hopefully we'll get to twice a week, like right. Right. all sorts of stuff. Like it's constantly doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably, yeah, go 40, 40 and then 20, 20 to 10 from empire. So like, I mean, as, as far as you can go into it, cause like part of the podcast is we want people, viewers mm -hmm. of all walks of life to kind of look into right. the incomes of people and what their day looks like mm -hmm. according to their income. Yeah. So like, what does a 40% look like for you monthly personally? And if you're not, if you're not comfortable, like that's fine, <laughs> but like we want to dive into it and then we want to walk through a day of what that looks like. So, cause I think some people get skewed to like, in fact, I was talking to someone today that he, he knows people that are, you know, multimillionaires yeah. um, on Wall Street and, you know, they don't have, they're through three marriages in or a girlfriend, yeah. they're addicted to drugs. Yeah. Well, I they're got, just I miserable. I got child support. Yeah. Huh? I got child support. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I make north of six figures, um, yeah. but I don't make, I, don't, I make less than, less than a quarter million a year. Okay. But north of six. Okay. So you can figure out your percentages from there. <laughs> so that's from all right. together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like from Empire, like I don't make that much. Yeah. You know, I make, I make enough that somebody could live a, a decent lifestyle, mm -hmm. but not what I'm, I'm doing. My, my goal with Empire wasn't to make a bunch of money. My goal with Empire was to make a bunch of other empires. Right. So that, that gym isn't to make me money. It's to make other gyms. And to make trainers like you guys read the trainer handbook it's mm -hmm. now deleted it said we want fully financially stable trainers right financially independent trainers we want you guys yeah. to be mm -hmm. able to be trainers right. to monetize yourself online in person youtube everything mm -hmm. so you guys can be financially stable in your lives that's the goal for empire and when it does that it'll create other gyms because that model is wanted Right. Mm -hmm. There's not yes. a lot of trainers you make that you see in this valley that make a wage that allows them to live that life that they want. Right. I think that goes like, so we know some pretty good trainers around the valley. Like mm -hmm. I would say probably one of the most high profile bodybuilding trainers in the valley is Zach Polkinen. Mm -hmm. Zach Polkinen has two jobs. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal for empire trainers. The goal for empire trainers is to be financially stable in one job and to, for us to create enough avenues for you guys to make money whether it's podcasts or YouTube series or programming, like I want you guys, and if you guys got an idea for how you could, how you could monetize yourself another way, like let's sit down and talk about it. I'm right. all for it. Yeah. And I think that's important too. Like I've worked in probably seven different gyms, started from the ground up, like working, making, I think I was even making like $10 an hour for sessions. Mm -hmm. And then to, I've been to places like Lifetime also that are very bougie and like, you're, I was charging $120 an hour, but making 30%. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's cool to have a place that values the people that 
for their worth. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. the gym is the place that people go, but the trainers are the one that build the community. And I, th- and I think the way we've designed it now, mm-hmm. it, and the way the culture will shift now is that you guys will truly understand. I think you get it. You might start to, cause you and I've hung out a little bit. I think you get it is that the goal and I think Jeremy, that one of the tattoo artists, I think he understood that after we met a few times. I swear to God, this is for you guys. It is not for me. I want it to be the best opportunity for the people within it. It's not for me. And I swear that's what I live by. And I think that then makes it full circle for all of us. It's like, I truly believe the whole saying, like when the water rises, the boat rises, mm-hmm. right? So like, I think this place can be a place that's different than a lot of other, a lot yeah. of other gyms. And that's how I got sold into Good. this whole thing. It's like I'm fully bought in because it's like when I can see a gym, because I've been part of like nine to ten different gyms, just like from commercial to being in private settings to smaller gym settings, like kind of like how we are. But it's like I could see through the bullshit of all other gyms, but there's no bullshit here. It's like you actually care about all of us. Yeah. And I think that's like I was telling Austin this earlier. Like that's how I'm like sold. Like I actually want to come in into empire and actually train my clients and actually be there more often i was like shit i could put an air mattress up there and i could sleep here yeah and i want you guys to feel like that i want this to feel like a home away from home when you're here i want you to get to work and be like ah i'm at work mm-hmm. not fuck i gotta go to work and like i wonder what zach's gonna say and like i fucking this and that like i don't want that shit like if you got a problem please come to me like let's fix that shit let's hash it out immediately like, I don't like confrontations. I want to get to it. Like, I don't like disagreement. Let's solve it. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't like how something's going, like, yeah. let's fix it. And that goes for everything. Like, there's a piece of, I was telling you two, like, if there's a piece of equipment that trainers decided we don't want, let's figure out a way to sell it. I'll pay for the difference of something new that you guys all decide on that we need. And a story. Like, let's have the best place that we all think is the best place. If we all agree on something, 15 to 20 people that all agree on something must be a pretty good place for people to go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I agree. I do want to get into the empire and like the expansion, whether it's TNS or empire or whatever ventures you have. But before we do that, I want to, so, you know, you gave us like a glimpse into your life as far as like financially and everything. But so accordingly, do you have a, do you have a number in mind that you're chasing? I know you've mentioned Uh, that you had a number before, but obviously you've been through some shit. I think you have some, you're very conscientious and you've, yeah. You know, I don't, I, I do one day at a time. I know that, I know that I've done the things that I need to do to create financial stability for my son. Mm -hmm. I've already done those things. Um, My family and I have done a good job of securing enough assets and land um, and and housing and those types of things that there will be something for my son to take and to to grow and to do the same thing that I've done. Um, So I know I've already done that. Um, So that part feels really, really good. Um, I, I think you've probably seen it. Maybe you've seen it. I've posted before that like, I don't want my son to have like a piece of cake. I want him to have the whole fucking bakery. Mm-hmm. Like I want him to be able to make, do whatever he wants. If there, if I own 12 businesses at that point and he picks one of the 12, like if he wants to sell the other 11 to fund the, the yeah. one, like knock it out, dude. Like let's right. sell them for as much as we can. Yeah. Let's dive all into the one. Like that's what I care about. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's my life. And that's, that's my, you know, continuation of the legacy that my grandfather started, my dad continued, that I'm trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a very emotional conversation with my parents recently about sometimes, you know, they they mostly live in McCall. Um, and, and sometimes I think they get a little bit worrisome about what I'm doing, what what's everything going, because they're so hands-off now. 
Um, and and I, I was super emotional on that. Like, I don't want you to ever think that I'm fucking around. Like, I'm doing this for us, for the family, for what this can continue to be for my son, what yeah. could it continue to be for my sister's child? Like, all that type of shit. Like, I only care about what we can give back. I don't give a shit what I have. Mm-hmm. It's cool having cool stuff, like, for right. sure. But I lived in Utah on an air mattress with a, right. a foldable chair and a cooler. Like, I don't really care. Yeah. I had my truck, an air mattress, a cooler, and I went to Target and bought a foldable chair. And that's all I had. How I had, did I had a TV on cardboard boxes? Nice. I didn't give a shit. The ultimate cabinet. Yeah, I didn't right. give a shit. Yeah. Like I just I just wanted to see how much how close I could get to making it to playing football and what I could do with the brand and how I could reinvent myself. That's all I cared about. Tunnel vision. Right. Yeah. Well, how did having a son change your perspective on well, life fuck. and business? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. I think, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> well, it's, before you say it's that, wild. It really is, and they always yeah. do. You can go in a sec. Yeah. They always do the whole. They always do the whole. Yeah. Uh, you don't know until you know, and like yeah. you like do the ha ha. But yeah, it's whatever. true. But it's really fucking true, yeah. and 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 you just can't get it. Like yeah. you can try, but you, you just know. don't. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just weird. It's an emotion. It's a. It's like a whole new part of you that reinvents itself, like yeah. the dad side, and like. I know you got like dog dad vibes and all that type of shit, but it's different. So different. It's different. And like the level of care that you have is just like, it's so, and knowing you three that you guys are very attentive people and good people, like that's what's, it's hard for me on people that like don't involve themselves with their child and stuff like that. But it's, it's crazy. It opens a whole new side of you that you really don't understand existed. Cause I was a very cold hearted, no fucks given person. I had a child and I'm, it's, yeah, yeah. Did it change you from being lost to like having more purpose? Yeah, the whole point is him. Yeah. I, I don't say, give a shit you about said anything. You've that's your why before. So. Yeah, that, I don't give a shit about anything. Yeah. And like, obviously I love Cass and that's yeah. my love and everything. But like, like she, she very well yeah. knows like that's my world. That's number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And, and she has no desire to replace that. Mm-hmm. She thinks that's one of the best qualities about me is yeah. that he is the focus. Yeah. So... And when when did he come into the picture according to your businesses? Uh, Black Label label existed. I was pushed out of the brokerage and he was born. Okay. And Tattoo and Successful existed. In 2020? What? 2019, right? 2019. Was was Beckham born? Yeah. 18. Oh, 20. He turns five this year. Five in two months. Wow. Big five. Yeah. Cinco. Do you think it like literally flipped your value structure? 100%. At that point? 100%. Because what was your goal? Like, for example, Tattooed Successful, what was your goal for that at that point before you had a child? Um, like, where was your mind at? She was pregnant when I started Tattooed Successful. Okay. Okay. So, so you had a pretty good yep. foundational. Mm-hmm. What about Black Label before that? Was already going. Yeah, I know. But like, did you have more of an egotistical drive before? The pride. I don't know. I, I, I think when before I had Beckham, I thought that the next coolest thing was how I got higher or better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I realize, like, like I, I love nice cars and I love like shoes. You guys know that, and I love jerseys. Like I love a lot of tangible goods. I also can could live with like a scooter and a pair of Vans yeah. and like a swimsuit and take mm-hmm. Like I don't really care. I think that stuff's really cool. Yeah. I used to let it define me, and now I, I really don't care. Yeah. Like. I went to Scottsdale, wore a pair of shoes that like I hadn't worn yet, trashed them, and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, well, like that those things used to bother me. And now I understand that it's like, it's okay. It's just like 
it's just something that you had and now you, and now it's messed up a little bit and that's okay. You think that's a self-confidence thing though? Like you have the confidence, you don't need to show it. Like you don't need to wear I think it goes from things. difference between going for what you get happy, what going for the things that you enjoy and truly make you happy and going for what things that you think are cool. Uh-huh. Right? Because if, like, if you're chasing things because right, you like, like them, And I genuine. think that's a really good indication. Like yeah. my favorite truck I've ever owned is the one I have now. It's a right. 2014 Raptor. Right. It's fucking almost yeah. 10 years old. Most people would be like, why don't you buy the new one? I'd be like, because I like the old one. And it's like, I like I like the old one because yeah. it, it works really good and it has a steel frame and a 6.2 liter engine and it, yeah. it's just a little bit different and older, but that's why I like it. So I like I like things for like I don't I didn't like the newer R8 because I didn't like the new front end with the new uh, three vents that were added on the hood. I like the older R8, so I got the older R8. Like yeah. I like things for what they are because of what they mean to me, and not because of who thinks they're cool. And I think that's gotten me in good places personally, and maybe some bad places with the brand. Sometimes I've created some stuff that I thought was cool because I liked it, and maybe it hasn't sold well. But like the 420 or no 420 stuff done really well. Oh, okay, but like. I think sometimes some of the the minimally branded stuff doesn't do, do the best because, or some of the the phrases that I want the brand to identify by don't do the best or something like that. But you know things come and go and sell the way they will, and yeah. I'll I'll always do what I want to do with the brand because it's the brand I created, the brand I want to that I want to invoke the the vision that I have, and that's how we'll always do it. Nice, yeah, love it. Yeah. What does your day look like? And I'm talking. I'm talking a working day. Like so, like today. Um, so I typically get here anywhere between five thirty to seven, somewhere in there. It varies on the day on when I got home, etc. Um, I typically I like to get here early before TNS people get here because I like to try to orchestrate what I need from them for the day, so they have their plans or um, figured out when they get here. Those of them that are in here in the office every day. Um, and then we, from there, I typically go over to empire after I get most of my morning stuff done, check in with the front desk, um, three to four days a week. I take my son to school, um, around the noon hour. Um, I typically try to do TNS finances after I get back from there, empire finances after there, dive into some marketing stuff in the afternoon. Cause I like to do creative before I go work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then typically I work out anytime between two to four, usually not a whole lot later than that. Sometimes I do five on the days I work out with um, one of my teammates, Corey. Um, and then after work, usually it's back to workout. It's usually back up to the office. And I usually go home 7.38. So I usually do 12, 13 hour days, five days a week. Solid day. Yeah. yeah and then uh, Thursdays are kind of my, my mini day out of the office. Mornings I got my uh, weekly back appointment because I'm old. And then uh, counseling. Oh, nice. Yep. That's on Thursdays. It's kind of like a rejuvenating day. Yeah. It's so just the morning. I, I, I pack it all in the morning. So I do, I do like my back therapy at like 7 to 8. And mm-hmm. then I go to counseling at 9. So I'm, back, I'm here at 10. Yeah. So, but I mean, and I usually go come here at like five thirty on Thursdays, so I can get here for a couple hours before I go to my appointments. You a weekender, or do yep. you? Yep. If I have my son, I got the laptop at home. But if I don't have my son, I'm usually in here. But it's football season, so it's a little bit harder and a little bit tiring. Um, and then the nice thing about technology, as we all know, is that I can mostly do everything from my phone. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have any yeah. boundaries throughout the week that you set from uh, business and personal shut life? Off time mm-hmm. to a point. She set she set some of my boundaries, but uh, <laughs> I think I have screen time on social media. Um, and when I hit that, I try to be pretty respectful of myself. I view it as like, I got to respectful of the, the boundary I already set for myself. If I, if I go over that boundary, it's only disrespecting my, my own self. Right. Like I put that in for a reason. Yeah. It's, that's right. only hurting myself. Um, what is the restriction for? Like, do you feel like that just engulfs you too much to get comparative with people? It's not a comparative thing. Cause I don't give a shit about that anymore. Yeah. Um, I used to heavily yeah. care about what it looked like, what I looked like on social media. The thing I've gotten super comfortable with is a lack of presence over the last year yeah. is probably the fact that I have zero control about other people's feelings or what they want to say. Yeah. And getting comfortable with that has been, been cool. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit no. what you have to say about me. I know what I'm trying to do and I know the people that are involved understand that and the yeah. people that choose to be a part of it really get it. Yeah. It goes and back it, to being important to like knowing who you are. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it goes back to, I'm here to create and provide yeah. these opportunities for people. And that's, and I know that's what I'm good at. And I know that's, I'm good at connecting people, yeah. creating these things and mm-hmm. letting people all enjoy them. Right. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, no, I set limits. Uh, a social media, I think is at like three or four hours a day. I used to be like well over 11 hours a day on my screen time. Damn. Also my laptop and computer are not factored into that mm, yeah <laughs> but just on phone um but yeah i set a bunch of boundaries that i have no notification this is something i recommend for everybody is to not have notifications on your phone yeah it's I terrible yeah. unless it involves work so like the only notifications i have on my phone are whatsapp mm-hmm. because we at tns and us at empire have chosen that to is our main form of communication and i have badges then on text messages and on emails and that's it. And then I always pin anything I need to get back to on text messages or mark things as unread. Um, and then I pretty much live that way. I don't go, I don't have any notifications on social media whatsoever. I just don't think it's just a, too much of an on off switch. All day. Mm-hmm. If you want to go look at social media, go look at it, but don't go look at it. Cause somebody tagged you like this responded to this, et cetera. Yeah. They'll still be there when you get back. I think that's like structured in there too. Sorry. Yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Keep going. I was just saying like the other day I was on Instagram and I checked it and then I shut it off real quick. Like I literally was on there for a second. Yeah. Like, Oh cool. I got someone followed me or something like that. Right, right. Shut it off and notified me instantly for something else. And I was like, what? And so of course I was like, well, I gotta see. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I got, think it's structured got, in there. Yeah. No social media notifications, no Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, any of that. Do you structure that for the mornings too? Like personally, I don't like to look at Instagram first thing in the morning. Like, so I'm, unfortunately, yeah. Or fortunately, you know, I try to stop. I try to rephrase things positively. I always say like when something bad happens to us, it's a great opportunity to get better. Mm. When change happens, it's an opportunity to start over. When I when I get on my phone right away in the morning because I own businesses, that's an opportunity and that's an advantage. And that's a mm-hmm. it's a positive thing in my life. Like I, I get to check my phone in the morning to see if there's a problem at work yet that I could help. Yeah. So the first thing I do in the morning is check my phone because um, sometimes it, we open at five. I typically wake up at five fifteen. If there's something that happened with yeah. the gym that it opened, that's typically why I'm the first one to respond. Right. Because I got up. So me personally, I'm somebody that needs to check myself and get my head right. So like, otherwise I will go through the day reactive or like, right. I need to get myself in a space where I feel like I'm, gonna, I'm aligned with what I want for the day. Like this is how I'm going to operate today. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. 
okay, now let me check everything. Right. Rather than just like, I can't just jump right into that space. Right. A lot do of you think can, that there's something, here's a challenge. Do you think that there's something you could do to get to that space that you know you need to do that every day, every day versus having to make yourself do it every day? Because I wake up knowing every day that I, I don't, I don't get to, I don't have the opportunity to act, or, to act reactive. I don't have the opportunity yeah. to, to not care. I've had to train myself. Right. I have a lot of subconscious sure. like demons. I'm sure. Problems. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we all have, we all have some problem or another, yep. not invalidating yours, but For we sure. all have different problems. No right. Doubt. But having to, do you think there's a way that you could ever move to checking yourself weekly versus daily so that you didn't have to start the same way i'm, I'm there now like yeah. I, I had to do this for like probably two years where i would literally i also know you value routine a lot yeah but i'm learning to not have to as much good job so like i've learned that i can be this person and be mm -hmm. be true to who i am without needing to remind myself so much right 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 that's yeah. what that yeah that's what i was getting at yeah, yeah. yeah. do you have to train i yourself don't for, and thankfully yeah. i like i'm I'm living this life now, so it's less of a reminder. Like I just, mm -hmm. this is who I am now. I'm not, yeah. I don't question those things anymore. Right, right, right. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So like I typically, I, I like to start my morning with an ice bath. Mm. Have I done that recently due to the amount of stress and things that have been going on? Yeah. No. Okay. I also like to get home at 6 p.m. and take a, I have a hyperbaric chamber at my house. I like to take a hyperbaric chamber for an hour before I have dinner at night. Have I done that this week? Once. Yeah. So but are like, you better when you implement those things? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, so obviously, like that's yeah. the reminder. Right, obviously. Yeah. So I think we all have some sort of true self we're chasing in terms of activities, but also who we look like and also who we are. Yeah. But, you know, that's life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And being upset because you didn't get them. Yeah. Well, it's like the hey. people that eat shitty for a day and they like shame themselves. It's yeah. like, we're not always going to do what we need to do every single day. No. Are we going to move forward and like... No. Yeah, we're not gonna yeah. let it hold us back. We're just yeah. gonna move on to the next. Right. Thing. I think the I I would love to see the study on, you know, when when you talk to yourself that way, when you view yourself that way, when you're upset about those things, your cortisol levels and what those change to, and you hurt yourself. Right. I'd I'd be interested to see what the hormonal imbalance and negative thought process that does to, not just muscle growth, but yeah. like life that yeah. it does. That if just eating the shitty food or yeah. Having the yeah. drink or not, we should or get missing a that. meal, or we should you talk know. about that. Like, how important is stress regulation to you? The most, yeah, the most, right? It's like keeping right. yourself even, keeping myself even, and the, the imbalance. You know, honestly, that's why I smoke so much. Yeah, like what if what factor does cannabis play for you? Massive. Yeah, yeah. When and did I, you start doing that? I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer that. Uh, <laughs> young, too like, young. Yeah. On, I, on off, too young. No. <laughs> No, just was on it off. Like sixteen to eighteen. It was like fourteen, fifteen. <gasps> oh, jeez! But it was just like I did. I did it a couple of times. Was so. it a rebellious thing, or were you just curious? Yeah, yeah just curious. Always curious. Yeah, always getting into too much. Yeah. Was it a bong rip? No, it was a, a socket wrench in a Gatorade bottle. Wow, nice. Yeah. That's classy. <laughs> I can make one of those really quickly if you need one. <laughs> he just grabs uh, all the plastic cups yeah. and like, you know, like whoa. Um, no, it's uh, it didn't become something that was habitual for me until the last probably uh, five years. So after the divorce, probably. Yeah. Um, Is that something which was just like a direct coping mechanism for you? Like it just took the edge off? No, it's because, you know, I've been on anti-anxiety medication. I've been on antidepressants. It's the only thing that's allowed me to simmer without feeling turned down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So it allows you, it allows me to slow down to cope with things more efficiently without feeling less of myself. Yeah. Right. So I don't feel 
dumb. Like some people always talk about like people being perma stone or things like that. But like you guys have been around me a, a fair amount now. Like you guys know that I'm always smoking, but like right. I don't feel inattentive or no. mm-hmm. like unable to recall yeah. or unfocused or things like that. You've trained with yeah. me. Like obviously I show up training like as high as I can possibly be. Yeah. Because I prefer it. You're like, more red in the eyes than you are in your face. Yeah, and I, prefer, <laughs> but I, but I prefer it. And like I would say, the session, the sessions I'm higher, I'm yeah, probably more focused. It's actually like you're you're more like better workouts. Yeah, and yeah. I'm probably on my phone less, and I'm probably listening yeah. more and stuff like that. When I when I don't have the opportunity to smoke, and I like to smoke sauna and and then hypervolt before yeah. I lift. That's if I could, I would smoke sauna and hypervolt, and that's because. The, the smoking calms me down. The sauna readies my muscles and gives a little red light therapy, a little bit of self-actualization, a little recovery, a little, I, I usually listen to a podcast in there. And then I get into the workout and, and that kind of whole ensemble helps me yeah. dial into really being focused on the lift. So cannabis has been a huge thing for me. Um, it's, you know, I, I have ha- yet to have any, any of, and I, and I go get my hormones checked. I go to a respiratory doctor. I've gone to everything. Like I have zero side effects or, or showing any sort of things from it. And I smoke daily heavily and, and it's, it's helped me be tremendously better at what I do as a person, how to communicate anxiety levels, stress levels, all those things. Do you feel like you have to be reliant on it though? Is it no. become a crutch at all? Nope. No, no, nope. no. Like typically like, uh, like Cass and I went to to Mexico for five days and didn't take any with me. Didn't and how did you feel? Felt fine. Yeah. Yep. No Do you think that was in part because it was like a, a relaxation yep. state for sure? Yeah. 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 I, I don't. I don't like get into a stressful situation and like get the twitches and go like yeah. I need to smoke. Yeah. I need to smoke. And, like start scratching myself or some shit like that. But I know going into I don't expect it. that, but like there's there's definitely some like Do I prefer the anxiety. routine where I get to smoke before I work out? Sure. Yeah. Could I work out today without smoking and then get a lot done in terms of reorganizing the gym and with our workout yeah. pretty efficiently? Yeah. yeah. Like we were all over the place today we and were. still got like quite a bit done. Yeah. Right. So it's like didn't smoke today. It's not a need. Not a need. Yeah. It's an asset. Yeah. yeah. It's and I, it's a tool. And I know how and I and I and I know how much it helps. Right. I also know at night how much it helps me allow me to wind down mm-hmm. and to sleep well. I used to never sleep. I used to stay up till one, two yeah. o'clock in the morning and just sit there and watch anything I could think of to watch yeah. because I was just bored. Now I can go to sleep. Yeah. It allows me to shut off my brain. I have I have a lot of demons that I struggle with in terms of um, negative self-image, body dysmorphia, yeah. all those types of things. And and Allowing that the little voice in your head to shut up when you get home and just like enjoy the person you're around, enjoy the thing you're watching, enjoy the meal you're eating, enjoy the drink you're having. Because that created more self-love. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Confidence correlates. And that's where I can even like attest to that too from a psychological aspect because like I smoke like three to four times a day too. Yeah. And it's like more so I can be more aware of how I react as an individual, Mm -hmm. especially like being a husband now, like I am more aware of like how I react to certain things, how I can actually voice an opinion in a way where I don't sound so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And then I think we all yeah. probably struggle with that as oh, yeah. men, mm-hmm. males, as mm-hmm. people that have been told to be so powerful and and everything. But it allows you to be vulnerable that? a little bit. It really mm-hmm. does. Yeah, and that's how like I'm able to be more self-aware of even like my own workouts. My like kind of same thing with you. It's like yeah, I can work out without smoking, but 
my workouts are 10 times better when I'm smoking because I'm more aware of like that sensation of like the neuromuscular connection and all that. Yeah. And going into the fitness side of things, let's talk about how, or we, we kind of want to know like with your athletic background, right? Like how did that start from like grade school? Like too, cause you, we obviously train together. So it's like yeah. from like going from to your times of like, basketball like how did that start yeah so growing up i was the smallest kid uh, in my class typically and so i i golfed and played tennis and played soccer um i didn't play and i did taekwondo but only because i was getting my ass kicked at school <laughs> so um i uh i didn't really get into basketball much i didn't really like it it wasn't really my thing i was like I was left-handed and never had a coach that like would really help with my shot because it was the wrong hand. Um, and I got to seventh, eighth grade and met a family friend of a friend that was a, he played for the Idaho Stampede, Brian Christiansen, played for the Warriors, played overseas um, and got some training with him. And I went from uh, a shorter seventh grader to a 5'10", 5'11", not being like medium sized point guard as a ninth grader and starting to get a vert and got into basketball and got really good really quickly. Um, I went from barely making eighth grade to ninth grade playing um, on varsity with the summer and then 10th grade starting on varsity. So um, basketball quickly became something. And, and then, and I think that was probably the biggest issue with the self identity and self actualization stuff is struggling with my identity after basketball ended. I was a basketball player. Right. I wasn't Zach. I was just a basketball player. And that's all I hung my hat on on yeah. was, was. I can was, relate to it. There's almost like an ego death. Yeah, it was yeah. a huge ego death. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was, in my opinion, the best basketball player in the country mm -hmm. if I could get on the court against you. And I believe that. And I, I think that's also why I was good is because yeah. when you have that mentality, you have no fear. So I would right. go to these tournaments. I don't even fuck who it was. Yeah. I would go right at them right away, not be like, oh, that's the number 17 ranked yeah. shooting guard on, according to ESPN. <laughs> I gave zero fucks. Like, okay. I was going yeah. to go out your throat the whole game. Yeah. And I was going to talk shit the entire time. I don't give a fuck if you gave me 40. Yeah. I wasn't shutting up. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would try to dunk on people I had no business trying to dunk on. Mm -hmm. And that was how I played. Um, and fortunately, that turned me into a very, very successful basketball player. But unfortunately, that created a unattainable identity, I think. Yeah. Um, so basketball was my life. I went to junior college and had a very unsuccessful junior college. I was the number one high school player in our state ranked junior and senior year. I went to a junior college instead of a division one because I was undersized and had really, really poor grades. I then switched to another junior college from my second year of college. I had a great year behind all an American, but chased a girl to a small NAI college. Had a mediocre NAI college career because I didn't even practice in the off season because I had no love for basketball anymore. It was my, it had become my identity. I had become burnt out from it. I had no love for the game. I had a coach that had ruined that for me. I had, just wasn't my thing anymore. Um, and so from there, I kind of, got done with, with college basketball, had no desire to go play overseas, had a lot of interest and stuff to do that simply just because I was at that point a six foot three guard that had a, a good shot from three and had a 40 inch vertical and was one of the stronger people on a basketball court. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then played in like some pro-am leagues in Denver when I lived there working for Muscle Farm. And then Mitch got me to go play in that semi-pro league here in Boise. And then from there went and played in a NFL developmental league down in Texas, had a couple looks in Canada and then came back and played in that league here. So that's kind of the sports journey, but I played tennis growing up. I was on BK's varsity team as a seventh grader for tennis. I was traveled the Northwest playing golf as a really young age. Um, so what yeah. still drives you to continue playing football? Dude, I never got to play. Yeah. So is it like, do you feel like you're making up for lost time? A little bit of making up for lost time. I have so many homies from that. A lot of the TS like homies are play on that team too. I mean, you've met a lot of them. Yeah. Um, you get 40 friends every year. It's, yeah. it's fucking fun being a, being a part of a team. Like you guys have all been a part of a team. Um, and then, you know, it's not a bad way to waste a Saturday, you know, yeah. like, what are you going to do? What are you doing this Saturday? Relaxing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, go hang out with the boys and play yeah. some football, bang some heads. Like, sounds like a good time. Yeah. That's something too. I feel like you're somebody that always needs to be stimulated. Yeah, like, for sure. How, yeah. Like, do you ever, like, do you get energy from constantly doing things? You're like, so I don't know if you. So my mom like, always, just, my yeah. mom always tells people like I wasn't a bad kid. I was a busy kid. Yeah. And I feel that way about my son. You just need to fill time. He's not a bad kid. He's a busy kid. Mm -hmm. Like he just wants to play, do, go, see, touch. Yeah. And that's how I am still. Like I. Yeah. And I think that's why you guys like. I walk through that building over there. What fifty times a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just check in, see how you guys doing. What's up? Hi. All right. Cool. Out. Yeah. And that's that's just a, my personality. I think though. Yeah. So I don't know that it's necessarily stimulation from it. It's just who I am. I for sure have some sort of ADHD of some sort. Um, and that's kind of me just bouncing around. But football offers off. It's not an identity thing for me. I don't no. do it to be a, a football player. Like I posted our whole season in one post the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the last seven weeks of games. Um, but it, it's, it's fun. It's fun to have something to commit to physically too. It's fun to have something to commit to physically, especially since uh, for training wise, like it's it's really cool to get ready for the season. Like mm -hmm. I wish that you and I had started training a slightly bit slight bit earlier to really build into yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, but like I'm already excited for the off season for this. Yeah. I'm excited to put on a little bit of weight going into Christmas and then probably start. January, I guess this year, probably getting ready for the season. Yeah, it's gonna be disgusting. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, but like to have a full off season to get ready again. Like I'm excited, and like, fortunately, like I'm very, 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 very fortunate for Chris. But like, I had double knee surgery a year ago. I had an ankle reconstruction the year before that. I had a groin surgery the year before that. Six months before that, I had another groin surgery. And this is probably the best I've felt in my since I was 15, 16. Yeah. Before I had my first before I had my first knee surgery. That's huge. And like I watch yeah. these 22, 21 year olds come out and play, and like I look at them and I'm like, you have you have no business. I, like I'm going to <laughs> I'm faster than you stronger. I will annihilate you. Yeah, I'm faster yeah. than you, stronger than you, like more intense. Like I yeah. just and so I to be the the getting to, into like the 32, 33 years and feeling like this, like yeah. A lot, like most of the credit goes to him for yeah. for changing the workload, changing my training, and, and offering me the ability to continue to have that outlet to go play football. Because yeah. a lot of people don't understand that's a huge outlet for someone like me that has to be so involved in so many right. things. I get to shut off my brain and go play football and just play football. That's why I love golf so much. You can't think about other things when you golf, or you will suck. Right. 
Well, it's it's less like hammering a nail that's already in the wall. It's like right. you're just you're doing things that are productive and things that will actually benefit your athletic career. It's not just working out to work out. You're doing yeah. things intentional. Yeah. Maybe talk about like Chris and how he's influenced you or maybe how he's made your athleticism better or how he's made you more sustainable. Well, I think, I mean, what have you done? <laughs> uh, I mean, we've... Uh, maybe talk about the direction he's given you or how he's been like yeah, we, steered we've, you. We've... We've moved towards a much more simplistic approach. Mm -hmm. I think he understands my body has a lot of mileage on Less it. Less is more. Yeah, my body has a lot of mileage on it, but it's extremely, I am extremely explosive, extremely powerful, extremely strong, mm -hmm. but there's certain planes, certain areas that are just no-goes. And avoiding those, but learning how to still get that strength in that yeah. plane in other ways, mm -hmm. right? I can't deadlift. I'm yeah. six foot three with really, really, really long legs high hip attachment with low back problems and a bad hip. So we trap our deadlift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're using the elevated handles. Cool. When we do RDLs, we don't go low. We don't go touch the ground. We go just past the knee. So we get all the glute activation, mm -hmm. not as much hamstring strain. We'll get the hamstrings when we do something else. Yeah. Right? We it's get the finding the variations that fit for Zach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And truly understanding, like, I got some weird attachment points. I got really long arms, short torso, really long legs, bad ankle flexion in one leg bad knees, a bad hip, like finding out the areas that we can, we can really work on. And then understanding that like, I do everything he says to do. And when we train, like yeah. I don't question it, don't, mm -hmm. don't mistrust it. Like I know what he, what he says is the right thing. It's calculated. So I do it. I'm terrible about putting yeah. my weights in. And he got really mad at me the other day. <laughs> Very upset. But it's, <laughs> but I do, I do exactly <laughs> what he says to do because yeah. I understand that there's no fucking point in paying for something if you're not going to listen to it. Right. It's and that's why, and he understands this, and I think this might be something different from where he's used to, but like I pay him whatever his rate is. Yeah. I do not ask him to charge me less. I do not ask him to train me for free. Right. I want him to know that I value it just as much as he values himself. I'm here just as another customer. Please train me as such. I need to be held accountable. Yeah. Or it's just bullshit, right? Yeah, exactly. You're just going through the motions. You hired somebody to help you go through the motions. Like, no offense. Like, I've probably trained longer than you just off the fact that I'm older than oh, you. Yeah, of course. So it's like, why would I not listen to the person I'm going to yeah. not only hire yeah. and and advocate for, but then hire for myself? So gotta do, gotta do what you're told. You're getting right? a custom suit as far as programming goes. Yeah. 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 It's like this is personalized for Yeah. Zach. And you see that like, so Corey plays a similar position to me on the team, but our training is very, very, very similar, which is slightly different yeah. because we have different, different bodies, different attachments, different injuries. Yeah. Right. And that's one thing too, as the season's gone on where I developed different injuries because this game or the other and him changing the programming based off of what's hurting or what's not hurting. I mean, even Matt saw it yesterday where it's like your knee was still hurting. I was like, okay, we're doing box squats today. Yeah. Take the pressure off. Yeah. 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 My knee is, just, it just swelled up for no reason. It was like this. Have yeah, you ever, have you had other trainers? Yeah, I've had lots. So, um, let's see. Do you just do better with some guidance? Or do you do better having somebody just like, you know what to do. That's not the problem. But mm. do you just do better having some accountability? One thing is that if I train by myself, I'm on this a lot. If I train with him, I'm still on this a fair amount, but less. If I am do my routine before, I'm on this not at all. Yeah. Right? So that's one thing. 
And less of this is a much better workout. I think all of us know that. Right. Um, it's focused hour. Two, yeah. you can never evaluate yourself fairly. It's impossible. You always have bias towards yourself. You're always going to give yourself one more rep. Said you do more. Your form was fine. Right. I don't need to do that. My hip hurt. Whatever it is. For sure. He also notices things that I can't see. I'm lifting the weight. I can't look at my knees and my feet and my back and everything, right? There's a, there's a level of accountability and coachability and all that type of stuff. Um, so I think all that kind of, kind of entails. I understand that I could be the smartest in the world at something and understand that if I'm trying to do the task, somebody can evaluate me and help me stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you do that in other areas of your life? I struggle to find it, dude. It's, it's honestly like, I think it's one of the most frustrating things about being an entrepreneur is that not a whole lot of people want to help you out. Mm-hmm. They really don't. So you don't have any like mm-hmm. mentors or anything like that? I've Obviously you have your family, but. <clears throat> yeah, I've asked a few mm-hmm. and I've been turned away by, by most. Um, I try, I think there's some people that I could ask, but conflict of interest kind of bothers that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, uh, I'd love to love to get somebody that I could could get some more advice from. The last counselor I had was an ex business advisor, and that was very valuable for me. However, it turned our counseling sessions turned into <laughs> business, shitty business talk, yeah. and just catching up. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, a mental went to yeah. shit, yeah. and business got like a little bit of help. Yeah. And so it was like mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't what I needed. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that. I think that uh, I'd love to get uh, some sort of business mentor again, but for per, for personal training and for coaching and for everything, it, it's very, very important to me to be able to. The other thing is for me to be able to go there and check out, mm-hmm. right? Like I, training needs to be a checkout for me. It can't be something that I need to work on, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I can't go over there and be like, can you do this yeah. and this and this? Like, it's in your schedule as <clears> an appointment. <throat> you're blocking it off. Like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really try to, and I try to block off like half an hour before to get over there and roll and drink an energy drink, yeah. smoke a little bit. If I can get in the sauna, hyperbole, ride the bike, something to just like yeah. start to prep the brain to like, hey, I need to work out now. You yeah. need to stop thinking about this or that or the other thing. Yeah. Let's get back into business entirely. And like, what is one thing you wish you learned about business sooner? Or, Oof. Or like a phase you <clears throat> wish you, ha- you could bypass? A phase I wish you could bypass? Yeah, as far as business goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we'll leave that answer. Um, you can steer off in a different direction if you need to. I would say, uh, I think I wish I understood that. Um, Is it a relationship thing? I think I think the the thing about culture, yeah. uh, learning about how important culture is and and how difficult it is to create. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is the lesson I wish I knew about earlier. However, I should have known about it having been such a part of uh, dysfunctional cultures within different teams and, and industries I was in. But I think when you, when you own a business and when you're in such a growth, growth stage of a business, there's so many other things to focus on but culture, right? There's, there's the business in itself, like logos and marketing and what it actually fucking looks like for that matter. And mm-hmm. a website, like... <laughs> A website and just everything, right? The tangibles, the, the tangibles, yeah. and the the just the little thing, yeah. towels and, and culture's not going to carry a piece of shit, right? Yeah, <clears throat> culture pays you zero dollars, yeah. but culture will also kill your business, yeah, right. And I think and the right all, culture will elevate. And it. I think we all understand that, and we've all been a part of different cultures and bad cultures and good cultures or whatever. 
black culture isn't anything, it's everything. And I love that saying. Um, and I think, I think learning that um, or under, you can't understand that until you lose in it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't truly understand loss until you've lost, I think. Yeah. And so I don't think you can understand the wrong culture until you've had the wrong culture. For sure. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's possible. Now you know when you see it. Yeah, you can feel yeah. it right away. You walk in a room, you're like, eh, yeah. whoops. That's not right. I think we've all felt that. For sure. Mm. Yeah, you, you know when you, you can feel, and I, I'm not a moon, stars, and rocks person, but you can feel the energy when you walk in a room. Yeah, definitely. Between people. Oh, you can yeah. feel the vibe of a person. You can yeah. feel what their intentions are to a certain extent. You either don't understand them or you know. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's usually a pretty clear indication. Well, you either know you're out of place in the group or you know one person is out of place in the group. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And I think we felt that when we all hung out the other weekend. Like, it felt pretty cool all of a sudden, you know, like, pretty good group of people. Yeah. Like, everybody's kind of cool, mm-hmm. just here with their dogs, chilling. <laughs> yeah, you know? Austin. So Austin. Yeah, I had to prioritize it. Oh, Yeah. You prioritized everyone else or yourself over everyone yeah. else. Sometimes yeah. that's important. Yeah. Talk about that. Fuck everyone. <laughs> Austin's better. <laughs> Have you ever seen, uh, what is it? Christmas party? Office Christmas party? Yeah. She goes, she goes, he goes like lead systems engineer, chief technical officer or whatever. And he goes, suck my dick. <laughs> Dude, it's been a while. I saw that in theaters. Yeah, that shit's so funny. I love that movie. They only get more fast, more furious. What do you like to do for hobbies? Golf. Speaking of which, we need no. to play that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, main hobbies, uh, I love golf. I spend a lot of time with, as much time as I can with Beckham. Um, I enjoy, I tried to ski in the winters. I haven't skied as much as I'd like. Um, and spend as much time with my family, as much time with Cass. Um, but, you know, over the last six to eight months since really getting Empire open, yeah, a lot of that has gone by the wayside. How um, how and important, I'm, and I'm comfortable with that for yeah, the time being. Sure. How important is it to have like the right girl by your side? And extremely important. Yeah, extremely important. Yeah. Um, that's one of those learning experiences too. Yeah, like knowing who's I, the right the right fit and who's not. Yeah, it's got to be something that it's got to be someone that simplifies your life, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Right? Is it emotional or? task oriented or feelings or I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that people can add value, but it has to simplify your life in some way. Definitely. It can't be some, somebody that adds complication or adds work. Right. And I, and I don't think that relationships aren't work. Every relationships work. If you, if you don't view it as such, you'll lose it. I think. Right. But, but it has to be someone that simplifies your life. And I, and I've always felt that. And I don't understand people that say relationships aren't transactional. Well, there's, are. there's value both ways. Like you, well, you both to have to provide value. If you don't provide value, it's it's destined for failure. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's superficial. They, yeah. Sigma. Yeah. <laughs> it it ha, there has to be value provided both ways because, and that goes back to kind of what I said with the "I'm here to create" thing. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it, I'm trying to provide as much value, and I said that on our first podcast for. For TNS is I want to provide the most amount of value for people as I can possible because I think that is what the right thing is to do because that brings me value. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's um, Cass and I's relationship to a T. She provides a lot of simplicity and 
stabilization to a very chaotic person. I'm very chaotic. I have a lot of things going on. Yeah. I'm eccentric. I am all over the place. And she is a very calming factor. Yeah. Devin has said it before that like she walks in her room and he feels calmer. <laughs> it's like she just brings a certain, certain calming presence to it and a certain, yeah. she's very good at looking through things and be like, I think if you did this and this, I think you'd be happier. And how does yeah. that vary well, having a supportive nice. partner versus like, I mean, you probably had both. Yeah. Having the supportive partner versus not having the non-supportive partner. How does that change your trajectory? Well, I think you just spend a bunch of time wasting time on things that you shouldn't, you know, yeah. on drama, on drama and superficial things and things that don't exist. You know, a lot of a lot of men and women are good at creating problems that don't that don't exist due to their own insecurities. Yeah. Right. Sure. I think we've all seen that in maybe some relationships we had ourselves or relationships we've seen other people had. But when people are massively insecure, even slightly insecure within themselves, they create problems for other people that just simply are not there. Right. Right. Like this is not an issue. I have no idea where this fucking came from, but all of a sudden it's a, it's a thing. Mm. You know, I think we saw that again this weekend with uh, some certain posts about our gym. Like yeah. we were not a part of that conversation in any way, shape or form. Why it became part of our gym, I have no idea. Yeah. But insecure people do insecure weird things. and to identify with or try to understand another adult's feelings is a waste of your time. If they bring your feelings to that, to you in a constructive form that you can then interpret and try to validate, yeah. that's one thing. But they express their feelings in an ir a loud, irrational way. Yeah. It's no longer my- You can't my, be heard no, at that point. Yeah, no longer my job to help you at all. Yeah. Like you brought zero value to the table yeah. that I could help contribute to. That's your yeah. thing now. I'm mm -hmm. no part of that. Where does communication factor into your business? Like how important is that? <clears throat> I think it's the biggest, I think it's one of the most important parts. It's one of the biggest parts I want to try to change for you guys with the operating system that we currently have. I want you guys to know at any time what you guys have made as trainers. I think that's really important. I think when, I think relationships can extremely sour when financial things are involved. I think that you guys not understanding what you're, what you're making and what you're capable of making can lead to confusion. Confusion can lead to frustration and, and relationships can sour very quickly on that. So I think communication is key. Communication is everything. I, I, I always wanted a coach that would tell me what I needed to do differently, not one that would push you to the end of the bench, right? Like I want to get better. I want to improve. I want to help. I want to win. Yeah. Please tell me how I can be a part of that. And I feel like that goes with the workplace too. Sure. And I think you understand that okay. with some of the talks that we have when we train, think you do and maybe you're starting to but like <clears throat> if you guys have an idea a piece of equipment something to add value like I love those conversations I want to hear them and it's a and I will grill you on why how how you think whatever or be honest with you about why we can or cannot but value added conversations and communicating about those things it's life and that's the most way to to create these these positive relationships with people it takes out the uncertainty of like, like pre-assumptions. Mm -hmm. Well, like there's the whole saying, saying like assuming and you make like an ass out of you and yeah. me or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So assuming and false assumptions and false, you know, the whole like uh, under promise, over deliver, don't over promise, under deliver. Mm. I live by that. Like you want to, you want to be realistic with people. We, I hope we do this. Let's let's try to do this. Yeah. I think you're capable of this. Let's go for this though. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. How do you do that in your other businesses other than Empire? 
Um, so TNS, you know, the goal is to keep trying to provide and connecting with as many people as we can. Um, one of the biggest ways we're trying to do that this year is with more in-person events. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had two already. We had the first track shark event at the mall, the car show, and then we had our first warehouse sale here. We have another track shark event, July 1st and 2nd. We'll have another warehouse. We have a, an air show we're going to in August. So, so with Tattoo Successful, it's about having more in-person events. Um, and then with, with Black Label, it's uh, simply just trying to diversify more, um, trying to get those car things going a little bit more. Um, obviously, I just got the Bronco, so getting that up and going as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where but, do you, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say internally, like from a communication factor, like when it comes to designs of the clothing or anything, how have you broadcasted that on the team? Um, well, everything still comes from me. So I still design all of it pretty much down to um, the like some of the graphic creation. Mm-hmm. I have our production manager do because that's what his basis is, but I'll draw the graphic or or articulate that to him. Um, but yeah, I have a very, the, the nice thing about having Josh is that Josh and I have done everything ever together. There's like two orders he didn't do um, in his transition period. But other than that, he's done everything. And so we communicate very extremely efficiently on, he knows what I like, what way it needs to go, what color I'm trying to go for. Um, and you simply get those by just having honest conversations with people. Um, him and I chop it up about random shit all the time. Um, I think we both show interest in each other's lives. I think that being that organic, honest person with each other allows you to work more efficiently. Um, so I think communication comes down to comes to the forefront in every every kind of thing you do. Mm-hmm. I think you guys probably understand that with, as with clients more so than anything. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like when you communicate the program to people more efficiently, they're probably better at it. Oh yeah, oh, they yeah. gotta be educated. Right. If they're if they just get some videos, they're probably not great at it. No. Like, but if you can articulate to it, especially because you just put exercise and then set the number, it's like okay, yeah, yeah. Like, there's no direction. From there. there has to be explanation and yeah. understanding. Yeah. But where do you see the vision for the brand, TNS? Like, what what is the trajectory? Where do you want to get to? Do you have an idea of where you want to go with TNS? Um, you know what? I'd really like to see us continue to grow how we use this space, right? Yeah. Um, with the events and the warehouse sales and those types of things and what we can do utilizing the space and the floors and the excitement can, we can create about around this building and how we can grow that community using those events. Do you see it being like... Like, do you want it to be a household brand? Is that something even that you're even thinking about? Or do you want it to be more of a local thing that is a community-based thing? Well, to be honest, we don't sell that much here. Yeah. It's it's yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah. we do a lot, mostly like 60 to 70% of our business is on the East Coast, which is weird. Yeah. I don't pick, oh, wow. I don't yeah. pick who buys it, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, we're really not, like as much as we do have a lot of local support yeah. and a lot of local hate, we we are mostly our income is based mostly off east coast how do you factor that data into marketing um or do you not change marketing at all for that no we market who we are yeah yeah we market who we are we we provide uh premium clothing for relatively economical prices we provide supreme content for um, considering the size of our group, we we offer an authentic experience with our customer service. Um, I think we just are a little bit different than most places. Yeah, yeah. 
And then the events here, you guys have all been to them. They're, mm -hmm. they're pretty special. They are. Yeah, I mean, we raised dollars $20, $24,000 for um, a children's advocate uh, awareness company yeah. or organization here in Boise recently. We're going to do another charity um, at our next warehouse sale. Um, so, you know, if we do three to four of those a year, we're raising six figures for charity a year. Yeah, that's huge. Right? Like, so now we've created a brand that's a six-figure nonprofit a year, basically, on top of being a brand, yeah. a podcast studio, a creative studio, a tattoo studio, and um, an event center yeah. of sorts. Like, our next event will have a car show, potentially live music, multiple DJs, tattoos all day again, warehouse, twice as many food trucks, like, everything. Do you want to talk about the connections you made with, like, the people that you have rocking the brand? Like, I know Mike... What's his face is a big one. Yeah, big Mike. Big Mike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On so social media. I think that's. I think that kind of goes to show that the the culture and the community that we've created with Tattoo and Successful. He's just, Canadian. Yeah. 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 It's just a little <laughs> bit. He trains Drake, which is wild. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah. So it's just. I think I think because of who we are and that we're all very real people that run the brand. Um, when we reach out to people, they feel that. Yeah. You know, they've there's a lot of. A lot of brands that send that really shitty ass generic message to mm -hmm. 20,000 people a day. That even goes to the really big brands that do it. Um, we're just not like that. I think people get a very different experience with us. Um, and so, yeah, we got we got Big Mike rocking it. Um, uh, Don wears us pretty religiously. Don that did the floors here. That's pretty much all he wears. Oh, yeah. Don Resin or... Um, yeah, yeah, Don Resin, Steve Butcher that did my tattoos. Like he always says, he's like, "I wear you, Louis, and like Dior." Yeah. I'm like, "Thanks." <laughs> like, it's a good conversation to be yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got NBA players wearing our stuff, NFL players wearing our stuff. Um, kind of all walks of life, and then we got you know, but then we also have you know like everyday construction wear playing wearing our stuff yeah. and ceos wearing our stuff to the gym and stuff so yeah. it's cool i think we're a brand for everybody i think that's the point is that success looks very different for everyone and that's kind of the point of the brand is that it could be always i think there's a couple like tidbits from our previous podcast that say like I, i've said before like it could be a mom being a stay-at-home mom and doing that extremely well that allows her husband to create an income from that family that mom deserves some level of appreciation because that's that's created a successful balance for the two kids or one kid and the father, right? Like she's oh, yeah. right. So that that deserves some sort of some sort of credit. That if she's tattooed, that's a tattooed and successful person, right? Success looks very different for every person. Let's Success talk, could look very simple yeah. for for anybody. Let's talk about that too. Like let's get a culmination and just like a definition of what success means to you. Success to me means um, the pursuit, I kind of have changed it a bunch of times, but it's it's the pursuit of of of, of tasks of like oneself, right? Tasks yeah. you've created, and then consistently completing those, right? And whatever the fuck that looks like, yeah, yeah. So like setting things for you to do in a day, and completing those yeah. in a positive light, obviously, not like drinking a bottle, smoking a blunt, not going yeah. to work, done, yeah. like not successful, but yeah. like drinking a gallon of water. Being to work Stacking on time, things. being to work on time five days in a row, yeah. completing all tasks at work, eating three meals a day, yeah. being on time to your counseling session, great week. 
Yeah. Great week. You're chasing success. You're built because that person is building the founding blocks of what yeah. people that reach the highest levels do. Right. Right. And so to discourage that, that they can't get to the top level is counterproductive. Right. So you have to embrace all levels of success looks different for every person. You feel momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you feel, I think we all probably feel momentum when you do almost the littlest things better than the big things. For sure. Oh yeah. Right? Definitely. Like I, I, I love when like I get up right on time I laid my clothes out the night before. Yeah, you're prepped. Like you get you like you get out the door on time, you're like, fuck, we're cruising. Yeah. And you're like, you're like two tasks into your day and you're like, Right. I'm winning. We're on a roll. Yeah. You're like, No, I agree with that. Really, I'm twenty minutes into my day, but I'm on a fucking roll because I got dressed, my clothes were out, and we're on time. Like and just those and that little stacking of things throughout the day, that's success to me. Yeah. Usually when I do that, I hit every single green light here. Yeah, right. So I'm just like, it's like the vibes are just like, hey, let's go. Have one today, fella. Yeah, have one today. Well, that translates to being a trainer too, and like, people get so overwhelmed with the tasks. Like, start by showing up. Right. Just start by doing the thing. I don't care how long you do it. Just do the thing. Right. Like, and just start stacking those Ws. Yeah. It'll turn into something. Yeah. It'll I think, steadily I get think better. falling in love with the, the process and not the end result. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the process the journey. and the process is the little the little things throughout the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always say like embrace the suck. For too. sure. Like the shit when it gets really hard and weird and you get uncomfortable, like that's when you're probably gonna get way better. Yeah. In I agree. my opinion. That's when you you usually level up. That's when you usually have some sort of opportunity that steers you in a positive light. Yeah. Or that provides some sort of value. Yeah. Right. And Matt, so, I don't know if, do you have anything to add before Chris kind of sums this up? Yeah, I guess like taking that because you say enjoy the process, which I think is what a lot of successful people say. Yeah. And you said earlier you don't necessarily, you struggle with like setting long-term goals. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like you have, like you're enjoying the community environment, TNS, Empire, all these different structures that you've built yeah. or helped build. Um, do you have an ideal though? Like you, you said earlier from your background, your dad wasn't around a ton. Maybe, you know, in your life, but he was yeah. busy, right? Yeah. You're a busy guy, 13-hour yeah. days. Mm-hmm. Do you have an ideal that you have with your son later on towards, like, maybe you don't have a number for TNS or Empire or number of locations or whatever it might be. Yeah. Do you have the ideal day in your mind where it's, like, it's a little more peaceful, not as structured, no 13-hour days or anything like that? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm trying to get these out of the way while he's, you know, in school and doing those things. And, and to be honest, I don't, I don't have him that often. Mm-hmm. I have him, uh, every other weekend and then I take him to school during the week and I take him to speech on Wednesdays. Um, so I do have the freedom to put in those days and those days are going to create his future. Um, so I do have the, the opportunity to get to do that right now. That's why I try to phrase it that as an opportunity, not a burden, mm-hmm. right? That's an opportunity to create a future for the most important thing in my life. Um, but I, I think I'd like to get to a point where, um, you know, I, I get to step back and I get to to offer the choice to him on what you want to do now. Like, hey, like whether it's school's over, whether it's high school's over or whatever, or college is over or whatever, or if he does athletics and that's over, um, what do you want to do now? And I'll get to take a step back and offer as much guidance as I can to him. And I think that that'll be the moment that I, that I look forward to the most. That's the goal. And so, you know, where he, he's turning five, that could be 13 years from now when he graduates, or it could be 17 years when he, 17, 18 years when he graduates from college. I don't know what that looks like, but um, that's my, that's my going to be my, 
that's my pinnacle. That's my end goal is to have the opportunity to step back and offer him whatever avenue he wants. If it's none of the companies I own, if I don't own any, whatever it may look like, mm-hmm. like, what do you want to fucking do, dude? Like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I, th- I think we all feel like we've missed, like our parents missed something for us at some point. Yeah. Like, is there something you want to instill in him that you can like change or like something that you feel like was a, a really important thing that you feel like you lacked from your parents that you wanted to instill in him? Um, Not to throw your parents under the bus, like they're doing the best. No, I just think that, yeah, I'd like him to always come. I'd like to know what he wants to do. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't feel like what I wanted to do was um, as important as what we thought I should do. Yeah. Maybe. And that's probably how they were taught to do, right? We all kind of do what we think our kids should do. But I think at some point you need to to validate what they want. Like I didn't, I really didn't want to fucking do choir and I did choir for like four or five years. Yeah. I still hate that I did choir. Did you take anything away from that? It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I still hate that I did choir. Like that's never going to change. Yeah. Um, I I wish I, when I had begged to go to public school and to leave that I had gotten to go to public school and leave. Right. You know, uh, I think, I think listening, I think Dusty can probably testify to this maybe more so than all of us because he has kids and teaches. Yeah. But I think listening to the kids and underst- trying to understand why or where they're coming from yeah. is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I, feel, I think a lot of what our parents did was very reactive yeah. and to a certain behavior status of what you were supposed to do. It's my way. Versus yeah. what is actually going wrong with the kids. Yeah. Right? right. Like you're an asshole at dinner tonight. Is it because you had a bad day or you're being an asshole at dinner tonight? Go to your room. Right. Like maybe ask about their day. What happened? Yeah. Why are you being like this? What the fuck is going on? Like, well, I think that's, not being you. So yeah. let's figure this out versus being like, you need to be this. I think that's changed in the parenting cycle recently. Changed, I think it's changed in coaching. I think it's changed in training. It's changed, I think it's it's allowing people to feel heard. Right. Well, did you have respected? So, I, not to com- compare parenting to coaching, but when you're a parent, you're coaching. Yeah. So, like, we never heard of the co- the term player coach, right? Before the last what five years, ten years. That's what parents have become. You have to become a player's coach. Yeah. You can't you be, be in it with them. Right. Be in it with them. Get down to their level. They like figure out what the fuck is going on. Understand their day. Yeah. Don't just pick them up. Tell them why they acted wrong, right. and then Describe. or acted right yeah. or. Whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the thing I learned the most. And not that my parents did a bad job. No. I, I could not imagine raising me. I, that right. sounds terrible. For sure. But there's always things to take away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like raising me sounds like a lot that's of fucking work. I feel you. But yes. now going into closing, what would you give as advice for new entrepreneurs? Like what are three things that new entrepreneurs should take in? Mm, three. I think the number one thing is is to try to be as, uh, and you guys have both heard this on podcasts before, is be unrealistic. So you need to be unrealistic. You need to have unrealistic goals that people tell you are ridiculous, et cetera, because shooting for those is the only way to go when you start. If you have these really mundane type of things, like you won't chase them, you'll wash out and you'll just become part of the, the other ones that tried and failed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that's one. I think embracing the suck is probably the second one. Like getting uncomfortable, like we've all said, is when change, true change happens and when progression happens. Um, and then I think finding like a good group. So I think surrounding yourself with like-minded people is probably one of the most important things you can do at a young age. Um, surrounding yourself with the people that just um, have no aspirations, have no identities and that type of thing is just, is the most misleading thing you can do as a young entrepreneur is, is hanging out with the wrong group of people. Yeah, I like it. And, and, and misunderstanding what the important things are in life. I love it. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks for having coming on, man. Yeah, it was exactly. awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Thanks for taking care of this podcast. Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited to see what you guys do with this. I'm so excited to see um, where this can go, and I'm honored to be the first one on. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Bye.